good morning, Freedom Village family. Uh, great to be with you as always. Uh, I already said this, but it's hard for me to believe uh, we've already reached this time of year. Uh, Christmas is just a couple days away. Uh, and so I said it already, but I'll say it once again. I'm allowed uh, to all of you, uh, those of you who are, who are here with us in person. Uh, so many of you I know traveling um, in this season. Some of you just going to warmer places. Um, some of you going back to see family and friends. Um, and then those of you um, who already live overseas or have been living overseas, but just watch us online. Um, I want to say to all of you, uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, I know it's been a, a really uh, challenging year, um, full of a lot of ups and downs. We've talked about this throughout the whole year, a lot of uncertainty, um, just a lot of unknowns, um, health issues, and um, you know, uh, people dealing with anxiety and, and depression. Um, I was just actually laughing even just a couple, uh, couple days ago, you know, before all, all the restriction stuff was going to be announced, like, you know, I was doing all right, and then just randomly, uh, I, I, uh, I woke up, and I guess I, like, slept in the wrong position, but I'm, like, in the shower, and, like, not even a big deal. Like, I, I bent over, and then when I, like, I, like, looked up, like, this whole side just, like, went, like, seized up, and I, like, collapsed in the shower, and I haven't been able to, like, turn my neck for, like, four days, and so it's not because I don't love you over here, it's just I can't, I physically can't look at you um, unless I do, like, this, all right, and so, um, and so just be mindful of that, give me some grace today, um, I, I literally cannot do that with my, with my neck right now, it's just that, safe. so you're gonna get a lot of love on this side, so um, if you're hoping to, like, be on Facebook or Instagram, you're in trouble today because I'm going to be watching you like the whole entire service. Um, <laughs> um, um, it's been a challenging year. It's been a challenging year. Um, but I was also thinking as well, um, God is so good, and by his grace, uh, we are here. We're here. Uh, and there's so much, there's so much to be thankful for. Amen? Amen. Well, in this Advent season, uh, in this time of celebration, and in this time of remembering uh, the arrival of Jesus together as a gathering, we've been studying through Luke chapter 2. Uh, and as, we looked at, as we've been looking at the birth uh, of Jesus in Scripture, we've highlighted a couple of things. Uh, first of all, through the narrative of Jesus' birth, we saw so clearly three weeks ago that God is, he is certainly, he is in control of everything and that he is always faithful to keep his promises. That long before Jesus' birth, we saw, we saw through the Old Testament that it was promised that in the town of Bethlehem that there would be a king from the line of David who would be the savior of the world. And then we saw that young Mary gives birth to that king. We also looked at the announcement of Jesus' birth given to the shepherds. Um, An angel appears, um, and we read there that that the glory of God comes. And the glory of God, of course, signifying God's presence. God's glory comes to the earth that night. Because, why? Because Jesus, God himself, had come to the earth. Um, And in case there was any question... Any doubt as to who this baby Jesus was and is, the angels there that night 2,000 years ago make it very clear. They say to the shepherds, he is the Savior, Christ the Lord. They reveal that now there is an opportunity for great joy for all mankind 
because Jesus is the one who would finally save his people uh, from their sins. Jesus is the one who would bring us uh, back into a right relationship with our creator, God. Jesus came to be the savior. That's who he is. We also learn there he's also the Christ. That is, he is the anointed one, the Messiah who would take up the throne of David. He is the eternal king of kings. He is the great high priest who alone can give us access to God. And we know that he is the greatest prophet who spoke for God and only for God. Jesus is the Christ. He is Lord of all. And with that announcement, with that proclamation, we see uh, in the birth story a, a multitude, it says, of angels come. Thousands upon thousands. Scholars actually go back and forth on that. That Perhaps that phrase actually means that there were millions, millions of angels that came that night. And they're praising God together. And what do they say? What do they say? Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And, and this short but profound verse gives us the reason why Jesus ultimately came. And that is to bring glory to God and to bring peace to men. We said it this way, glory went up, peace came down. And so we know Jesus came to bring us salvation peace. He came to bridge the gap between God and man. He came to be our hope. He came to bring us joy. And the angels declare that it is God's good pleasure. It was his great satisfaction to send Jesus to the earth as the savior of the world. And so this is the Christmas story that on a real day, in real history, in a real town, the Savior came to the earth to, to take away all of our guilt, all of our shame. He came to bring us back to God, our Father. And this Jesus is Christ the Lord, the one who has established a kingdom that will last forever and ever. That's the birth story. And so now, uh, today, as we celebrate Christmas together, uh, what's left for us? I just shared the whole birth story with you, so we can just wrap up and go home, right? Um, but what's, what's left for us? Uh, we've talked about the setting of Advent. Uh, we've talked about the great announcement of Advent, the great announcement of Jesus' coming. We, we, we studied who he is and, and who he came to be, and we've looked at the purpose and the meaning of his arrival as well. And so today, what I see left for us is just answering the simple question, what do we do with Advent? So what do we do with Advent? Knowing that Jesus arrived, what do we do? Or you could say it this way, where do we go from here? Um, And just to be really upfront with you uh, this morning, uh, there's nothing complicated uh, about today. Nothing. There's nothing hidden, uh, nothing really mysterious I'm not going to attempt to unlock some secret truth uh, in, in, you know, an unknown language. Uh, But as we look at the rest of the birth story, um, I think the shepherd's response to this great arrival serves as a great illustration to us of what happens when anybody truly embraces Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so that's what I want to talk to us 
about today. So if you have a Bible with you today, I hope that you do. Maybe a physical copy of God's Word. There's a few of those copies of physical Bibles in the seat backs um, in front of you. Otherwise, you can open up your smartphone. I'm sure you all have the, uh, the Bible app, um, version, with along with like, you know, a billion or two other billion people. I think it is something like that. But either way, uh, I want to encourage you to open up to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Uh, and we're going to work our way through verses uh, 15 uh, through 20. Uh, again, the, the angels have shared that Jesus has come. Uh, they are praising God. That's the scene. Okay? And then Luke tells us this. Luke chapter 2, verse 15. I'll read it again. It says this. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So again, there's this multitude of angels there with the shepherds. We see that here, but we actually don't know uh, for how long. The, the text doesn't tell us how long they were there uh, worshiping and, and praising God together. But now we see in verse 15 that the worship service ends. The angels return to heaven where surely uh, they continue to praise God as angels always do. And at their leaving, what do the shepherds do next? Well, uh, I'm sure uh, they were in awe and wonder, right? I'm I'm sure of that. Uh, Maybe a few of them um, they, they had to like slap their faces, right, to make sure that this wasn't a dream, like trying to wake themselves up, maybe like, like splashed water on their faces, I don't know. But apparently they collect themselves and, and get together. They come to their senses, uh, they, they have a right mind about themselves, and they come to a collective decision together. And what is that? What do they do with the arrival of Jesus? Well, they say really simply, let us go. Uh, let us go. At the news that the Lord, the Savior, had come, the response was, we have to go. We have to go. Uh, We have to leave the current place that we are and get to Bethlehem where he is. And and let's keep in mind, uh, these are are shepherds with a job to do. They're at work right now. They're working. Right? It's the middle of the night, and so someone still needs to care and watch over these sheep. Maybe you never thought about that. But they're on the job. They're working. All these probably hundreds of sheep, uh, what are they going to do? And I'm not sure what they did with that. Like maybe they, they ran into the town um, and got somebody to take their place. Right? Maybe, I don't know, but back then if they did this, maybe they did like rock, paper, scissors, kai bai bo, to see who had to stay behind. Like, one of us isn't going to get to see Jesus. Sorry, like, let the odds be in your favor, right? I don't know. Um, we don't know. But either way, uh, what we do see here very clearly is going was their priority. And actually, in the original language, uh, there is a definite sense of urgency to this. This is urgent. And so Luke is telling us here, without hesitation, without delay, At once, where it could be immediately, they decided they had to get to that town where Jesus was born. And this is really key for us. They head off to Bethlehem for what? For what? Why? Luke records it, actually. Look again at what it says in verse 15. It says, To see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. 
Now, that word thing there, that word thing in English, um, it needs a little bit more uh, definition, some further uh, explanation. It's literally the Greek term. It's an important one for this context, actually, this text. It's the word rhema in Greek. And it it means, uh, a good English word for this or phrase is, it means a reality, a reality. And so what they were saying was to each other, this was a decision. They say, let us go and see this reality that was made known to us. We have to go see this reality. In other words, we have heard this news. We have heard this message from God and his messengers. And what? We believe. Listen, it is a reality, they say, that the Savior has been born. Therefore, we must go. And so with that on their hearts, they they set off. Again, they set off and go to find this baby wrapped in clothes who's laying in a manger. Let us go and see this reality that the Lord has made known to us. And that really brings us to our first uh, point today. What did the shepherds do? What did the shepherds do with the arrival? That's what our focus is going to be on today to hopefully inform what we should do or what I hope all of us do with the arrival. So what did the shepherds do with the arrival, knowing that Jesus had arrived? What did they do? Well, first we see they had faith. Okay, they had faith. They believed that the birth is a reality. These shepherds, they received a revelation from God that the Savior had come. And they believed it. They had faith. And if I can borrow uh, that as an illustration for today, again, we know that's how people come to faith in Jesus Christ even now. It's always been this way. People hear and see the truths about Jesus, the truths about the gospel, and they make a decision to believe or to trust or to have faith that that news, that message is a reality. Listen, this is anyone's salvation story. All of our salvation stories begins with a message from God. Scripture is so clear with that, that faith comes by hearing the word, hearing the truth about Jesus, which means, which means very practically, right, you need to hear the good news before you can believe the good news, okay? That's why, that's why Romans 10, 4, 14 says this. It's the Apostle Paul. He says this, And how are they to believe, have faith in him, Jesus, of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching, someone teaching them, telling them, proclaiming to them? And so it's very critical that we understand that the first step in this process of someone coming to Christ, having faith in Jesus, is them hearing the message about Jesus. They have to hear what we hear or see what we see, if you will. These shepherds listen to the truth about who Jesus is, and they make a decision to believe it. They have faith. They believe the reality that the Messiah, the Savior, Christ the Lord has come. And notice as well that this faith from the the shepherds compels them or causes action. It actually causes them to move. Their faith uh, in God caused them to actually pursue Christ. And that's the second point for us today we see from the shepherds. 
their response to Advent is they went to Jesus. Okay, they went to Jesus. They went to Christ. Uh, so you believe the word of God. You believe the word of God. You accept the truth. You have faith, but then you go to Christ. And let me be clear, that's not the direct intent of this particular passage that we're studying today, but I believe that this point is still very clearly illustrated for us here. What the shepherds did that night teaches us a wonderful spiritual truth. Because verse 16 says this, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. So again, we we see here very clearly there's urgency. There's eagerness and enthusiasm in this story. And that leads these shepherds to Bethlehem where they find Mary, find Joseph, and they find baby Jesus. And again, Luke doesn't tell us these details. We don't know the details of how they found this family. Maybe they went door to door. Maybe they were asking um, the townsmen, did you hear, was there a baby born here? Maybe they were going like stable to stable, right? Bethlehem wasn't that big of a town. Maybe there were like three stables. We're not sure. But they were urgently pursuing Christ. Obviously, with their fervor and passion, that motivation of the gospel, they find this family. And of course, that too should be a reality for those of us who realize the truths about Christ. And believe in him. When we understand who God is, who Christ is, and what he has done, it should cause us to leave everything else behind to go and find him and to go and be with him. True faith in Jesus, true belief is always, always partnered or connected with our action. That's certainly modeled here with the shepherds. But it's always true for those who encounter the gospel. There's no exception. For example, uh, the first disciples ever. Right? We learn Peter and James and John, right? They're, they're fishing, right? And they're fishermen. They're, they're, they're doing their job. They're at work. But when they meet Jesus, when they encounter Jesus, when they realize the reality, again, of who Jesus is, what do they do? They drop their nets They leave everything and go to be with him. Matthew is a tax collector. We read his story. He's sitting at his table, doing his job, collecting taxes. Then he meets Jesus. Jesus says, come, follow me. He realizes the reality of who Jesus is. And what what happens? It causes Matthew, it causes him to get up, to leave his table, and to go be with Jesus. See, when you truly encounter, truly encounter Jesus and the gospel, when you truly believe, when you, when you truly have faith, it will always compel you to move towards Christ. The shepherds have faith. They go to Jesus. They pursue him. And then third, we see this. This is their response to Advent. A third response we see, or what do they do with Advent? We see they witness about Christ. They witness about Jesus. They witness about Christ. With the news of Advent, with the understanding that Jesus arrived, we see that they go and tell others of his arrival, right? They go out and and tell people that the king had been born. Look at verse 17. And when they saw it, 
they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. We'll just stop there, pause there for just a minute. Uh, if you think about this scene here, you try to just go there for a minute with me this morning. Um, it's kind of hard bo- to believe that there isn't some large conversation recorded between verse 16 and 17. It's always kind of bothered me, actually, that Luke doesn't give us the details. It says they go and find the family. Shepherds go and find the family, and they, they're there. And then the next verse says, when they see him, they leave. It's like, well, there's nothing. Like, what about the in-between, right? Um, it's not recorded. But imagine this, right? These strangers, right, shepherds, show up to Joseph and Mary, right? They just come on the scene, right? They, maybe they burst in the doors. They're like, is this, this is, is this the baby, right? And you can only imagine, right, at that moment, Right? The story that the shepherds tell this family when they arrive. Right? Surely, I know the text doesn't say, but surely I think we can rightfully assume, reasonably assume, that they told this family everything that they heard and saw. And I'm sure this was a, a wonderful confirmation for Joseph and Mary as well. Right? They already knew, they had been told who their son was going to be. But, but if they had any doubts about that, I'm sure that those were all washed away in this moment. Because now they are actually hearing from others, even those they don't know, what they had already been told. The same message is being told to them. They had received the good news about Jesus. Now they're listening to the good news about Jesus. And we don't know, but, but maybe Joseph and Mary shared with the shepherds about what they had heard and what they had seen as well. Like, we aren't told, but again, we can only guess, we can only assume. But I can just imagine, certainly, right, maybe they shared some, some food together, we don't know, and they're just telling the story, and, and they're, they're realizing this reality together. But all Luke chooses to tell us is the shepherd's immediate response. Not the conversation, just what they do when they saw Jesus. Look at it again. And when they saw it, it is what again? The reality, the reality of the gospel, that Jesus, the Savior, the Christ, the Lord had come. When they saw the reality, it says they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Very literally, it says that they went everywhere and told others that the Savior had been born, that Christ, the Lord, had been born, has been born in Bethlehem. They told the gospel story. That's what it's saying here. They witnessed to others what they heard and what they saw. And of course, again, it should be no different for those of us who believe or who claim to follow Jesus. If you have received and understood the good news of Christ, if you have begun the the journey of pursuing Jesus with your life. Part of that pursuit means telling others that good news as well. So these shepherds literally, uh, very literally, become the first New Testament evangelists. They go out and they share the gospel. But again, more than that, they demonstrate for us what should happen when you receive the life-changing truth of the gospel that leads to joy. 
we should, we should be compelled to share that joy with others. It's that simple. I can't remember um, who told me this because it was just so long ago, long time ago. Maybe you've heard this phrase as well. Maybe I've even said it in a, in a message um, now and then. But they said to me, this person said to me, um, said to me, James, just keep this in mind as you go about your life. You talk about what you care about. Um, you talk about what you care about. And I think we all know that that's true. Right? We do that all the time. Right? Very naturally. Right? It doesn't take a whole lot um, out of me to have a conversation with you about sports. I love sports. I can tell you a lot about sports, right? Um, or the latest movie in the theaters, right? Um, we talk about our travel, right? That's a relevant topic right now. We're going to say, oh, what are you doing for Christmas, right? It's the first thing that you, now we talk about. Oh, Christmas is coming. What are you doing? Well, I'm traveling. I'm with family. I'm excited. What are you going to do there? Where are you going to see? We talk about our vacations. We come back and tell other people about our vacations. We post on Instagram about our vacations, right? Very naturally, we do this. We talk about the new restaurant or the new cafe that we discovered or we went to last week, right? Or how easy is it? How easy is it to share stories about our families, right? How natural is it for you to share about your kids or about your grandkids, right? Whatever it might be. And so, and, and, and let's, you know, sometimes there's a, a negative con- connotation to that sharing, but most of the times, oftentimes, we share these types of things with, with joy, Right? We, we, we tell other people what we care about, what we're thinking about. And so how sad is it? Listen, how sad is it when those of us who claim to believe and follow Christ rarely, if ever, share the joy and great truths about Christ with others who don't know him? And I would even go as far as to, to ask myself, and I did this week preparing for this sermon, I asked myself very personally, James, what does it say? What does it say about your relationship with Jesus when you don't talk about Jesus? What does it say about the level of joy? More than that, what does it say about the level of joy? James, what does it say about the level of joy that you are finding in Christ, in Jesus, when you don't talk about him? What does it say about your understanding of the gospel, James? And, and, what has, and what does it say about your understanding of what Jesus has done for you if you never mention what he's done for you? Right? Could you imagine, right? Someone, someone um, you're, is in great need, right? You're in great need and you need like a car or something. Let's say someone gives you a car, right? It's like, oh, like wouldn't you, you wouldn't tell anybody that? Of course you would. You're, you have a disease or my, I have a, a sibling who, uh, who, who recently uh, donated a kidney, Right? I, I had another, uh, her husband needed a kidney transplant. And so um, she um, was a match. It was a miracle. Um, but she was a match to her husband. And so she was able to, my sister was able to give her kidney to her husband. And you know what's, what's very natural is her husband, his name is Steve, when he would go around and meet people, he was very, very sick. He would say about what his wife had done. She very literally saved his life. Oh, did you? Oh, Kim, yeah, I'm so thankful for her. Like, because she went through a long time. She's still recovering. It's been over a year. It's a major surgery. But that sacrifice and what she had done, he talks about it with others. And so, if we truly believe that we were dead in our sin, lost without hope, right? Headed for eternal separation with God forever, and we've been rescued out of that, 
If we truly understand that, wouldn't we talk about it? Like the first thing in the front of our minds all the time, right? If we understand we've been redeemed and rescued. Because again, when the shepherds believed the good news, when they started to pursue Christ, they turned around. When they saw the reality of the gospel, they turned around and were compelled to share Christ with others. Listen, when our hearts and minds truly grasp the good news of Advent, the good news of Jesus' arrival, we will go and tell others about him. The shepherds illustrate that to us. So the shepherds go out and share about Jesus. And then look at the response that they received back. Verse 18, And all those who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So we see here that the message of Jesus' arrival created a sense of awe and amazement. And of course, throughout Jesus' life, we see that he was always leaving people with a sense of awe and wonder, right? Jesus constantly caused people to be amazed. We actually see that phrase all throughout Luke's writings in this gospel, actually. I think like six different times it Luke records that the people were amazed by Jesus. Why? Because no one had ever seen anything like this, or, or more specifically, anyone like him. The way that he taught, the way that he lived, the way that he served, the way that he loved, right? The, the, the miracles, the power, the authority, no one had ever seen anyone like Jesus. People were amazed by him. But, here, but here's what I want to say about that. Here's what I want to say about that. And Pastor Kerry uh, touched on this uh, a couple weeks ago, but I want to expand on it a little bit. Because listen, um, being amazed, being amazed by Jesus is not enough. Being amazed by Jesus is not enough for salvation. It's not enough to be considered a follower of Jesus. If, oh, I'm amazed by Jesus. Well, welcome, you're one of the followers. No, that's not how it works. Um, having respect for Jesus or, or being curious about Jesus is not enough. But this was the widespread reception that Jesus received. People were amazed. They were amazed by him. But that doesn't mean they were surrendered and willing to give their lives to him. People, masses, masses of people were curious about Jesus but that doesn't mean they were committed to Jesus. And so I think, I think even in this short section here, we see two contrasting responses to the good news of the gospel. On the one side, on the one hand, we have the shepherds, right, who received the revelation, believed it, had faith, and ran to Jesus. But on the other side, you have people who just simply wondered at the news, who wondered at the arrival. Maybe you've never read this story this way. Maybe you've never actually thought about this, but wouldn't have been great if it said in verse 18, and the shepherds go out, they, they preach about the good news, and then verse 18, if it said this, and all who heard it immediately went to the manger. It wouldn't have been amazing. But it doesn't say that. Apparently, the majority just wondered at it. They contemplated it. And then seemingly went, about, went on with their lives. They went about their lives as normal. 
And so this text just begs, it just begs, so naturally begs the question this morning, which side do you fall on? What have you done with the news that Christ the Lord has come to the earth to take away your sins, to give you peace, to take away the sins of the world, to bring joy to the world? Well, we keep progressing through the text, and we've reached verse 19, which is a really uh, beautiful verse, and sort of a, a side note here, because it really takes us into the, into the heart of Mary. This whole story here is really centered on the shepherds, but Luke just takes the time to give us one glimmer into the heart of Mary. Um, again, my, my purpose is to focus on the shepherds and how their response, or uh, what they did with the news, parallels how we receive the news So I won't say much here, but this is what it says. Verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And so Luke, again, he sort of pauses from the shepherd's story to simply let us know that that Mary is soaking up all these events and these scenes and, and stories that surrounded her and her son. And she is contemplating them deeply. That's what it's saying here. And it's really, it's amazing, actually. It's, it's wonderful. Here is this young teenage girl, and she's just given birth to God's son. Right? I mentioned that like the first week of this Advent series. Like, just think about that. Think about that reality. I'm going to ask you to do it again. Think about this. She's there, right? The shepherds appear. She's, she's holding Mary. This teenage girl is literally holding this baby, and she knows and is now being told, confirmed, that this is the son of the Most High God. This, this baby is the rightful heir to the throne of David. This baby is going to be, he is the Savior of the world. He is the anointed Messiah. Just imagine this. She is looking into the eyes, her baby, looking into the eyes of God himself. And Luke tells us here, now, she's just valuing this time. She's pondering all of this. She's reflecting on it. And I'm sure, like, I'm sure if, if, if one of us here were, were Jesus' parent, like, we would do the same, right? You, you would look at him with so much joy, so much love, because, of course, well, it's just your baby. But, but also with that, right, there'd be so much anticipation, There'd be so much awe, maybe so much fear, actually. Like, who is this child going to be? Is he really going to do this? And think about this. How am I going to raise this kid? (laughs) Right? This is the son of the Most High God, the Messiah. Like, I hope I don't make a mistake. Right? Um, So many questions. And then Luke just stops right there, lets us wonder, and then takes us right back into the shepherd's story. It says this, verse 20, And the shepherds returned. And the shepherds returned. I'm I'm sure this won't surprise the majority of you. Uh, But did you know, did you know that when you become a a Christian, when you become a follower of Jesus, when you've had the the greatest imaginable transformation take place in your life, when you believe the gospel, when you embrace Christ, center your life around him, when all that has happened, and you begin to realize more and more about who God is, who Jesus is, what he's done for you, and 
what he's doing in the world and what he promises to do, like when you've come to that point in your life, you know what? Life keeps going. Life moves on. Um, you, you still have to go back to work. Uh, you, you, you have to go back to school. Uh, you you, you got to go like sleep somewhere. A lot of you, you go back to your family. Whatever it might be, life goes on, doesn't it? And that's hard for so many of us. It's like, what should I do, right? Because life just kind of moves forward. Life continues. We see here the shepherds actually, imagine this, right? It says they return, meaning what? The shepherds go back to their fields. They go back to doing what? To shepherding. Because that's what they do. They got a bunch of sheep to take care of. So they go back to doing that job. But what's important for us to understand is that while, yes, we do go back to our lives, we do go back into this world after we've received the message of the gospel. While we know that Jesus actually calls us back into the world, we should be going back with a brand new perspective and with a brand new purpose. We don't return the same people. So you go back to where God has you. But then while you're there, you glorify him and you you praise him with your life in that place that he has you. That's exactly what the shepherds did. The rest of verse 20 tells us that. It says, they returned, they went back to their fields, and what were they doing? Glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. I'm not exactly sure uh, what the shepherd's perspective was on life before they heard the news. I don't know their purpose in life before they heard the news or their passions in life before the angels arrived that night. But it, it certainly wasn't what it is now. Their lives were transformed. Uh, their lives were totally changed. And that's our fourth and final point this morning. What is the shepherd's response to Advent? Or what did they do with Advent? Well, they lived changed lives. They lived changed lives. In other words, uh, they now have a gospel perspective. We say it this way. If you've been here at Freedom Village for any amount of time, um, this phrase will be familiar to you. If you're newer with us, um, this will be an introduction for you for it. But we say it this way here at Freedom Village. They centered their lives on the gospel. They center their lives on Jesus. They have an attitude of praise. They go forward living a life that was marked by trying to bring glory to God with all that they were and all that they had. And again, this is a perfect illustration of what happens to us when Jesus is truly our Savior and our Lord. When you hear the truth of the gospel and you have faith. When you have genuine faith, your life, your life will be transformed. It will be changed and it will continue to change as you grow in your knowledge of who God is and what he has done. No longer will you be caught up in the cares of this world, but all of your affections will be stirred for the things of Christ and his kingdom. That's the attitude of the Christian life. That's the heart posture of the follower of Jesus. It's the mindset 
of someone who belongs to Jesus. That we are literally in awe, overwhelmed by the goodness and the truth of the gospel. We aim then, we aim to see everything through God's eyes. Everything. We live to praise him and glorify him regardless of the trials we face. Regardless of all the ups and downs, that certainly will come. If you didn't believe that life has hardships before the last year and a half, welcome to life. It's got a lot of ups and downs. But regardless, we praise him. We worship him. Because we're changed. We're made new, transformed. Where my heart was once fixated on myself, my needs, my concerns, my desires, my heart is now fixated on Christ and his concerns, his needs, his glory, his kingdom, his power. Forever, we're changed. When the shepherds heard the announcement of Jesus' arrival over 2,000 years ago, their lives were never the same. They heard the truth, made a decision to believe it, to have faith, and that belief caused them to run to Christ and to share the good news with others out of a heart that had been transformed. And so in this, uh, in this Advent season, or this, this Advent season, this Christmas season, again, I ask you, what are you doing? What are you doing with the news that Jesus arrived? My prayer for you is that first and foremost, you would have uh, deep-rooted faith deep-rooted faith, that you would believe. And from there, that your faith, that faith would spur you on, encourage you, challenge you to pursue Jesus with everything that you are and all that you have. That you would make a daily decision to run towards Jesus, to go to him. And with that newfound passion, and and zeal. My hope for all of us, all of us here in this place, all of us watching online, that we would begin to to monthly, perhaps weekly, maybe for some of us, even daily, that we would be compelled to share this message of Advent with others. That we would be willing to share with others the good news of joy that we have received and that we know. And then finally, I'm praying uh, that all of us here, all of us here, that we would continually live a transformed life. Uh, That we would live our lives as though we've actually been changed by the gospel. Which again, means sharing the gospel, absolutely, but also living out the gospel as well. Living the gospel. That our lives would be an image, a reflection, an, an imperfect reflection of Jesus Christ himself that we would live like him, we'd want to live like him, and that we would long to give him glory and honor and praise with our lives. And so listen, as we close today, uh, the message of Advent is so simple, isn't it? But yet it's so profound. It's so simple. Here it is. Hope is available. Peace is available. Love is available. Joy is available. And why? 
Why? Because hope came. Peace came. Love came. Joy came. And his name is Jesus. And so, what are you doing with this news today? Are you dismissing it? Believing that you can find your own way to to hope and joy and peace? Are you claiming to have faith or to believe this news, but then ignoring it based on how you're going about your life and living your life? It's not enough to wonder at it. It's not enough to just say you believe. Or, or is this news causing you to embrace Christ, to live for Christ, and to find everything, your everything in Christ? Is the news causing you to do that? This is Christmas. Jesus arrived. So what are you doing with his arrival? Let me pray for you.